Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. And you can join some fine folk like B.B. Rosenberg, who is our newest yearly patron. Thank you so much. And also Joshua, who's our newest silver level patron. You can join all of these people and a whole lot more when you become a patron over at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, it's a good old-fashioned mailbag, so get ready to hear Stephen rattle paper like it's still 1957. Plus, supply chain issues, Infinity Gems, Magic the Gathering streaming to you, all this and much, much more, including references nobody understands, one of us knows selling another's joke, the generation gap in action, the cool side cool, and the hot side hot, Mick D, LT. Oh, and uh, Major Spoilers podcast, uh, so on the air, something like that. Welcome to issue 941 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Matthew, you're upset about McDLT. What about Biggie Shakes, Biggie Fries? I mean, I tried to go to Wendy's the other day and order those, <laughs> and they were just like, sir, this is a Wendy's. And I'm like, exactly, exactly. It's a Wendy's, Biggie Shakes, Biggie Fries. Uh, I'm not upset about McDLT. I just love <laughs> the fact that if you go back and watch the original commercial, it's Jason Alexander. Oh, okay. With a full head of hair, dancing in a white linen Miami Vice suit, singing McD LT. And it's a freaking me out, man. Ashley Victoria Robinson, or I should say Ringo nominated Ashley Victoria Robinson. There you go. Woo-hoo! Glad to have you on Ringo the show again this it. week. Oh, now you don't know that for sure. Stop it. We lost the last two times, including being nominated for the same series. That doesn't mean that you'll lose this time. I mean... Look at what's I mean, her face from the from the uh, thing and the other thing. Yeah, she lost like forty seven times before she won. Yeah, Erica Kane. Yeah, that's her. Oh well, look, uh, you know who's not here? Rodrigo this week. No Rodrigo this week. Again, I tell you, people, patreoncom slash spoilers. We can't afford to have four people on this show at the same time. <laughs> Next week, Matthew rotates out. My, your mother. In the meantime, let us do some news. News. So Netflix, you guys, excuse me. I got the hiccups. Netflix has announced that Brandon Routh, the once and future Superman has been cast as Gideon Jura for the animated manic, the gathering magic, manic, manic, the gathering. I'm just going to start that over the animated magic, the gathering series. Now uh, we don't know what the animated series is about, but Django Wexler is writing a prequel novel for Del Rey books, which I think, think maybe a mad lib uh the novel sees planeswalker gideon jura and jace Balaran, always with the jace Balaran, adventuring together writing wrongs across the multiverse punching evil uh summoning creatures red blue yellow green orange by your powers combined their captain planet but i'll form the head very different insights into what they witness it's possible to say that the partnership is under strain this is one of those times where we can talk about how great it is that Superman has a career post uh, Legends, uh, the TV series. Uh, yeah. This is this is the part where if Rodrigo were here, he could talk all about the Magic the Gathering. He tell us who who, who these two people are. Jura exactly. But see, this is what happens when you plan for somebody to be here, and then you know can't yeah. be here. 
can't afford him. Just yeah. we can't afford him. I know. Right? I will say this about Brandon Ralph. Yeah. Ralph uh, surprised me because I did not care for his Superman work. And I'm like, oh, I wrote him off as, you know, some weirdo pretty boy. And then I saw him, you know, doing the work in the Arrowverse. And I'm like, oh, this kid's pretty good. And then we get to the point where he get he gets to play Superman again during Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. And he was an amazing Superman. It depends on the, you know, uh, Ashley could probably tell us more, but it's uh, it's the lines you're given, not uh, your inability to uh, to play a character. Yep. Well, I'm not I'm not saying. Yes. That, it's not a good movie. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. Did did beat the dad Superman. The only bad part about Brandon Routh, and I'll say it over and over again, I love uh, the Superman Tyler Hecklin from Teen Wolf. But seeing him stand side by side with six foot four inch Brandon Routh in a super suit just makes me think, wow, that kid is not Superman yet. But that's the only downside of it. And I'm, I'm happy to see Routh getting work. Uh, hopefully he'll, his wife will get in there. She's got stuff that she does too. All right. What do we got next, Ashley? Osmo D question mark on the pronunciation. That is the correct. comic with yep. an exclamation point for excitement. All right. <laughs> I was going to confirm how to pronounce that. Okay. Yep. Asmo D. Asmo D. That's how we do it. Okay, great. Comic publisher SourcePoint Press and game developer Asmodee Entertainment have signed a licensing agreement that will see three Asmodee games get the comic book adaptation treatment. The three games are Legend of the Five Rings, Mysterium, and Pandemic. Timely. All three comics are expected to launch in 2022. SourcePoint Press. Little baby independent publisher mm-hmm. who I like very much making a big swing with this acquisition. Oh, very yeah, cool. Def- definitely. And certainly uh, Legend of the Five Rings, very popular card game. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one that has been going on, man, I want to say like maybe five years that this game's been around. A lot of people are into it. Um, Mysterium, I'm five not. Rings has been around longer than that. Oh, has it been longer than that? Okay. Yeah, because um, it, was, it was around during my first run at the comic shop. All right. Uh, Mysterium, I'm not super familiar with. Pandemic, I think everybody is familiar with that. Um, and certainly with the various pandemic games that they've had over the years, there's a big opportunity to tell a bunch of different stories, especially with the different types of characters that are introduced through that series. So, yeah, this this should be very interesting for SourcePoint Press as they move forward. So while we can look forward to Asmodee games, DC Comics is running into supply chain issues due to COVID-19. In a release, DC Comics stated, quote, DC faces an unprecedented strain on the global supply chain, affecting all of us in the comic industry and beyond. Up to this point, we've been able to keep delays and shortages to a minimum. But with recent notifications about COVID-related port closures, international and domestic freight delays, workforce shortages, and a severely allocated paper supply, we are unable to continue to manage this situation without disruption. We expect further shifts in the future. That's important. Please know that we are doing everything we can to keep a steady supply of products coming your way through the system until the supply chain strain begins to ease. But based on current industry feedback, this situation is likely to continue for several more months. As of this podcast, 39 comics have been delayed to future dates. That's a lot. Mm. And more, more in the future. And I have a feeling this is not just a DC problem. This is going to be an everybody problem. Oh, yeah. If DC is announcing it, that means that everybody's already feeling it. Uh, (laughs) 
Now, my question is whether oh, or not yeah. Marvel's going to say anything. <laughs> you know, because Marvel has a tendency to just kind of go, and then just move on from the situation. So, I don't know. Joining us to go a little bit more in-depth on this DC supply chain thing is uh, James Thatcher, who is the Import-Export Manager for Totes Isotoner. He's also the host and producer of Tech in Trade and the founder of the TradeNerd.com website. He's also an author of To Love Me or Not, which we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But uh, trust me, this is a book that you might want to check out. James, thanks for joining us uh, this morning or today, depending on when you're listening. Hello, future people. Good morning, good evening, and good night. So DC was actually really one of the few companies that kind of survived the big COVID uh, shutdown last year because they switched their distribution method from Diamond to Lunar and to the other distribution uh, company. But now with this announcement, they're saying that they have, because of the global supply chain, that they're delaying like 35 titles that are coming out into stores uh, this week. And I wonder if you could provide some insight on this. So first of all, let's talk about uh, international and domestic freight delays that are still going on. Apparently, the, the the boats are backed up in the harbors. Okay, so yes. Uh, let's talk about the domestic front first, because that's a okay. little easier for people to sometimes get their hands around and grok. There's a severe, severe trucker shortage right now. Um, mm. Because of COVID, because of COVID, we have a tremendous amount of truckers that are either getting snatched up by big companies like Amazon or Walmart, uh, just to say a couple, um, because they're able and willing to pay high premiums to get those truckers on their bankroll just so they can move cargo. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also severe lacking because of COVID, because it really impacted a lot of truckers more than you would think. Um these are people who are moving all around the country. Um, they are isolating themselves in their cabs um, so they can just state the COVID virus and then, you know, go from Missouri to, let's say, Los Angeles. And by the time they get to Los Angeles, it's a fully developed virus. They don't know they have it and it spreads forward and forward. Um, so it, it, we are having an issue with that right now. Um, a lot of truckers who are of the older mindset uh, just went up and retired because mm -hmm. why fight anymore? There's just more too. It's too much. It's too much. And a lot of them don't want to take their lives um, into their own hands with regard to something as unpredictable as, yeah. as the COVID virus is um, from a, a rail standpoint, um, which we're going to kind of work our way back out to the shore. Um, you have a rail issue as well, because um, a lot of customers are not picking up, timely uh ocean containers and domestic trailers um in the container yards um last week alone it was reported that um burlington northern santa fe had at least 15 if not 19 trains that were waiting to get into chicago alone wow. that's a yard that usually runs about five to six trains a day um the reason's not because they can't work the train the problem is they've got no place to put the containers uh hmm. or the trailers that are coming off um mm -hmm. So you have delays and issues there. Part of that is because, again, we don't have truckers. You can't, if you don't have enough truckers to come in and get the freight, it, it causes backlogs and delays there as well. Now, let's take that rail delay and push it back to the coast. Now, because you can't move, um, specifically, we'll talk about the, 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 um, the train situation, then we'll get into the other port issues. 
um, you have ports that do over 50 to 60% of their business that is putting it on an intermodal train to come from the port inland into the United States. Well, those trains are backed up, which means there's no trains to take the goods out of the port, which means now we have huge amount of freight that is sitting at the pier and at the port. So much so that the Port of Seattle, uh, two weeks ago, I don't know what the status was last week, but two weeks ago was one running on one crane for wow. T-18, which is their largest pier. Um, T-30 was still operating on two, I think, but uh, T-18 actually has six to eight cranes that they can run at any given time. They're mm-hmm. running one crane per vessel, and they can only put two or three vessels there. That is severely hampering the offloading process. Well, if the vessels can't offload, then they have to sit on anchor and wait. So you now have uh, – Seattle actually doesn't, didn't look too bad Friday. I haven't looked at it yet uh, as of the time of this recording. But as of Friday, they only had about four to five vessels on anchor, which is really good for, for a pier right now. Compare that to uh, Los Angeles, which had well over 40, almost 45 vessels on anchor. Uh, mm. And uh, Vancouver alone, which is you know the biggest worst secret in trade is don't go to Vancouver if you can avoid it because <laughs> there's – and I'm saying that free of Jones Act because it is a it is a parking lot. It is literally a parking lot. So if you go on to these websites, um, take a look at marinetraffic.com. Don't even bother putting a vessel name or anything in. Just scroll in to Los Angeles, and you'll see nothing but green dots everywhere. Each one of those green dots is an ocean container vessel. Wow. Uh, the average capacity of those ocean container vessels is around 10,000 TEU, which is roughly about uh, 5,000 school buses full of product that can't get off. Um, Multiply that by 45, and you've got a serious condition on your hands. And then so Um, then if we we multiply that then by the ports that are closed, not just the ones that are severely hampered by we've only got one or two cranes – and then combine that with the workforce shortage, which probably is also dock workers and yep. truck drivers. We're starting yep. to run into an issue. And and from what I still understand, DC may still be printing their comics overseas and having them shipped here. So that's right. going to delay stuff even longer. But then there's also a paper supply issue. Right. So let's let's go macro and go down to micro when it comes to overseas. Mm-hmm. Um Stephen, you and I did some research before we we started uh, to have this discussion about mm-hmm. trying to figure out where is DC actually printing and getting their paper from, um, and it, it's it's a hard thing to find out because they don't make it public, which is understandable. You know, I mean that's you. It's one of those things you don't want to let your supplier, your, everybody know who your suppliers are. Right. If let's take an an if example, okay. if they are um, producing their goods in China, in mainland China, it depends on where in mainland China um, their goods are being produced. So, for example, um, if it is Yantian, Yantian had a port shut down that they're still feeling the effects of that was over a month ago that they reopened, and Mm. they're still feeling the effects of container backlog there. Um, If it is in the Shanghai area, um, the area of Yangzhou and uh, Nanjiang were shut down due to COVID concerns at the beginning of the month. And those COVID concerns, to my understanding, as of a conference call this morning, um, those factories aren't going to be able to restart until at earliest September 15th. Wow. Um, now, take in a couple of that, the fact that there is this massive amount of freight that is also sitting at the piers waiting to go on these vessels, which are sitting in Los Angeles in a parking mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help things. 
um, you have container availability issues where you can't get ocean containers uh, to to actually load product because they've run out. Uh, so people. Oh yeah, are so that they're unloading them, but they're not able to reload the empties back on the ships to head them back overseas. Right. Well, not only that, they they have to get the empties back to Asia. Asia doesn't have any empties, so they're massively producing empty mm-hmm. containers right now in China as fast as they possibly can. But you know, you can only produce so much in a day. These are big metal steel boxes with a wood bottom. Typically, it's a wood bottom, and it is just—it's not—it's a labor-intensive issue. Couple that with you have sporadic areas within central China that are shutting down due to COVID, mm-hmm. and China in and of itself is kind of difficult. Then, just for fun and kicks, uh, beginning of last week, we had the Shanghai airport shut down completely because of a COVID outbreak at the Shanghai airport. Mm -hmm. So now, you're talking about the number, I think it's the number two or number three airport in the world, is completely shut down for cargo, for cargo, not passengers, for cargo, is completely shut down. Um, You are facing down the barrel of insanity. Now... You might say, okay, that's China. How does Vietnam look? Vietnam's even worse. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, gave you the, I gave you the nice one first. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Vietnam is even worse. Um, in the um, Ho Chi Minh area, um, it is completely locked down. The government has shut everything down. Um, if you are go north from Ho Chi Minh up into uh, Haiphong, it is also not great right now um although haifung is operating it's not um it's not great ho chi minh is where the big problem is right now um the entire country of vietnam and i think it's public for me to be able to say this um i got a communique a week and a half ago from uh dhl express which is the third largest express courier in the in the world so you've got ups fedex dhl Mm-hmm. DHL came out and told us that they have been ordered by the Vietnamese government to no longer do pickup and delivery. Mm. That is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a small partial guy, that is a big, big deal. And that leads everyone else to understand their, the severity of this lockdown in Vietnam. Um, I am hearing from some of my f- sources around Ho Chi Minh, uh, they may not be operational until maybe the end of September. Um, wow. And this okay. is a severe hamper. Now, this is assuming a couple of things. One, we're making an assumption here that DC is actually printing in Vietnam or mm-hmm. uh, China, which right. they may not be. They may be printing in Manila or Malaysia or even Cambodia. Um, those are also possibilities. However, you hit one of the Asian areas, you hit them all because they're all interlinked. If there is printing going on in Manila in the Philippines area, great, but they got to get their paper from somewhere, which right. is probably going to be China, <laughs> right? Uh, if they're uh, printing in um, if they're printing in Malaysia, Malaysia's having some other issues as well right now, in addition to COVID with lockdown and some other governmental regulations going on that's making it harder for people to get cargo out. Um, all of them have severe container issues. Um, okay. there, there's just there's not enough containers to go around for the demand that's needed right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not enough ocean vessels to carry that demand. And then couple that with the fact that 
air freight is severely hampered because your one of your major hubs within Shanghai is completely shut down. Uh, Japan is completely restrictive of everything coming in and out of that country right now from people, including people and cargo. So those are two major areas, Shanghai and Japan alone. That's comprising probably about 40% of your international air cargo network. Um, it's a big hit for everything. So moving forward, I think DC's just got to come out there and just say, guys, look, it's a problem. Everybody's having a problem. Sure. So um, let's, and it's let's look at be difficult. Let's look at this from the domestic side. So, uh, so if DC is not printing in Asia, they're probably, uh, either printing in Canada or one report I see, uh, see here, uh, says that they've moved maybe to Missouri to have their, their printing done. How does, how does, how do those two situations affect anything coming in? And again, we're looking at this from the DC side, but if any comic publisher is printing overseas, they could be running into these issues. Well, and I would be willing to bet most comic book publishers are printing somewhere overseas just because the cost of printing in North America, whether it's Canada, Mexico, or the U.S., is very high compared to you know the pennies on a dollar that you can get out of Asia. Um, mm-hmm. If they are printing, let's say, for example, they're printing in Missouri, um, you still have to get paper, right? And U.S. paper right now is that of uh, wood supplies at a very steep shortage. Um, it it Go into a Home Depot or a Lowe's, and you can see the cost of lumber has gone up dramatically. And that's oh, not yeah. because of uh, that's not just because of COVID issues uh, and the other supply chain issues that are hampering Asia. Uh, we also have uh, supply chain issues with regard to wood product coming out of Canada. A lot of that's been restricted now uh, due to some issues with Canadian tr- uh, trees and Canadian lumber, and the U.S. government uh, worried about pest infestation. So. There's a lot of concern on that side. If they're producing up in Canada, um, again, they're going to have supply chain issues getting the product down to the United States. But even then, uh, they have to have product and material moving. And this stuff is all interconnected. This is, and, and I tried to explain this to somebody the other day. This is why we call it a supply chain. If one of the links goes out in that mm-hmm. supply chain, everything falls apart. That's why it's a supply chain, not a supply rope. Right. right. So. We have to be able to find – and in my industry, it's very simple. You find where the bottleneck is and you fix the bottleneck. If you can't fix the bottleneck, you work around the bottleneck and figure out how do you cram as much in there and export as much out of it as, or extract as much out of it as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, in this situation, nobody has figured out the better mousetrap yet, um, so much so that if we want to go into tinfoil hat things – uh, Elon Musk came out a month and a half ago saying he's looking at trying to figure out how to do Hyperloop from China to the U.S. <laughs> yeah, um, good luck with that. Yeah, well, I, uh, you know what? They said he couldn't go to Mars either. So he hasn't I don't done it put yet. anything past Musk. He hasn't, I don't, he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> I don't put anything past – man with money I don't, uh, who's, who's willing to do crazy things, I don't put anything past him. But well, um, th- those are that's how extreme this is getting. Ford, GM, Chrysler, mm-hmm. they're all shutting down their lines because they can't get the parts that they need to run the process and run the product through. It's affecting everything. Now, that's, that, that's a result not only of just supply chain but just-in-time manufacturing, right? Yes. Well, okay. it's not just just-in-time manufacturing. We also have just-in-time retail. Everything now has moved to a just-in-time model. It doesn't matter. Um, if you're selling sweaters at a store, 
you run out of sweaters, you're expecting to have those sweaters back in in stock before you run out of the last one. And if not, within 24 hours, mm-hmm. um, it, you can go into any major retailer. I'm not going to mention names, although they're based at Arkansas. You can go into any major <laughs> retailer and see that their stock is dramatically diminished right now because yeah. they're suffering the same problems. Yeah, you know, we've we've noticed that just in uh, like pet food with, you know, just buying uh, foods that we used to be able to get is now no longer available. And they're like, we don't know when this is going to come back in on the astrophotography side. Uh, a, a specific, very popular astro mount is back ordered across every company in the United States. And they're like, we're severely back ordered for this. When the, when COVID was at its peak, you know, there were still some companies that were trying to trudge on and I'll, I'll look at IDW publishing, you know, we have solicitations for stuff that was supposed to arrive in May of this year, June of this year, July of this year, which are still some of the ones that were coming out supposed to come out in May are just now arriving in September. And I see, Oh man, this is a four month delay. And over the last couple of months, I've seen that get smaller and smaller and smaller with that delay. But now I see with DC, with this announcement, with some of the books that they, I don't know when the original release date was, but some of these have now been pushed all the way into January of 2022. I mean, are we going to see this again where there's now we're going to start seeing every comic publisher or a majority of the comic publishers, be off on when they said they were going to distribute stuff just because of the current situation with the backlog, whether it be in a port or on a train or on a, on a, on a truck. I would say at this point, anything that is being predicted within the next three months is subject to change. Okay. Um, so, and, then, and that, that I would say the next three to six months is subject to change. And that's the only reason why I'm saying that is there is so much unpredictability in operations right now it's hard to pin down and say this is where this is going to be now let me add one other thing to this the thing we haven't talked about yet when it comes to to all of this is cost right Mm -hmm. um if we look historically um back in let's call it um june of before the pandemic june of 29 uh 2019 okay i can tell you what i was paying I was paying about $2,000 for a 40-foot ocean container to go from what we call base port China, which is your major ports in China, Shanghai, um, mm-hmm. Yantian, Hong Kong, uh, Xiamen. Those base ports, about $2,000 to get it to LA, and maybe to you can negotiate a door delivery in there, right? Sure. Today, I've seen reports as high as $38,000 wow. for the same ocean container. Um we have gone past 15 times. We are way up there with regard to the cost of moving these things. So then if I'm DC, I'm Marvel, I'm IDW, I'm any of these publishers, and I'm looking at what is the cost versus what can I get out of a comic, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have to really start asking myself the question of, is it worth printing these and shipping these? Yeah. And are we going to see a bigger push now, finally, some would argue, me included, (laughs) for digital. Are we going to finally see that push that we've been waiting for forever to say, you know what, we don't have the print copies in yet, but we're going to start pushing the digital out because Mm -hmm. if we don't push out the digital, it's going to hamper everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think um, I have to double check. Somebody had said uh, the Dueling Review comic that we are uh, supposed to review this week on the Dueling Review podcast has actually been pushed on the print side, but it's available on uh, the digital side. So, uh, I mean, it depends on what DC wants to do. Obviously, digital comics are a 
seems to lead to a bigger profit margin than say print because you've taken out the print, but you're also counting in servers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it would not surprise me if they're like, look, if you want these comics and you really want them now, here is the digital version to read and the print version may come out in January or October or whenever it is. So, so yeah, hopefully that is something that we can see. And let's extrapolate past that for a second. How does that then affect local comic book stores? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, how is that going to affect the local comic book store if they're not getting the supply that they need to keep getting the newest items? Um, but if you want the newest and the greatest, you go and you grab, uh, you know, you grab it online digitally. Mm-hmm. Our local comic book store is now going to have to say, look, we've got to have either a profit split on this or give us a referral code or something that we can work with mm-hmm. you guys to make sure that we're getting something here to stay up and running. We've been supporting yeah. you this whole time. Yeah. Now we've been just talking about uh, comic books, DC specifically kicking this off. And so some people might say, well, a lot of these other comic book stores, they sell uh, uh, action figures or toys, or they, they sell games. And right now for gaming, everything's being printed and made in China. And so yeah. this is, this is why you're seeing your Kickstarters three and four years late at this point and why we're seeing uh, toys that are going to be delayed indefinitely uh, because of not just the uh, factories being shut down for an extended period and then reopening, but also now what you're talking about, this whole shipping backlog. Well, and I will be honest, I've reached out to a couple of my, I, I, I've even gone as far as reaching out to a couple of my Kickstarter projects that I've backed mm-hmm. and said, do you want, you know, my, my guidance, I'll help you. I'll, I'll get you connections. I'll do what I can to help you out. Um, some of them have taken me up on it and some of them haven't, and that's fine. I mean, I'm at least making that offer, but, um, in all honesty, it is a wild, wild west shootout right now. And, um, it is, it is, I don't want to say it's every man for himself, but in retail right now, it is every man for himself. And you can imagine when you have companies like Walmart, coming out last week saying we're going to charter our own vessel and we already have 53 foot trailers that we are going to put everything on and move them back and forth from Asia. Uh, And you have Home Depot coming out and saying we're chartering our own vessel to make things work. Um, These kinds of things, while helpful to those entities, are not helpful to the entire supply chain because now where does that put somebody who is not having that kind of revenue? I mean, let's be Mm -hmm. honest. As much as we love to to say, oh well, Marvel's got the deep pockets of Disney, and you know, um, DC's got the deep pockets of Universal. That's great, but at the end of the day, guys, they are nothing compared to Walmart and Home Depot when it comes to actual revenue. Yeah. So, are we going to see companies like? Push. Are we going to see companies like Marvel and Amazon? You know, they've they've started to have their own Amazon delivery service. Are we going to see Amazon and and Walmart get their own shipping? Uh, systems and bypass some of the big shipping industry uh, companies. Well, they they already are working on it. Um, okay, there has been some work on that. Amazon actually is a licensed non-vessel operation common carrier, which basically means they can go out and sign multiple contracts and resell any space that they don't use. Oh, um, but um, Walmart. <laughs> Walmart's built a little differently than Amazon. Walmart is the way that it's structured. Uh, their best bet at this point is to try and contact the vendors that they have and any excess space that they have, go to those vendors and say, hey, look, we need X amount of your product in our store. Let's put it on this vessel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can tell you from a couple of sources that I have right now, Walmart has not done that because, frankly, 
with their own internal purchase product, they barely have enough containers to be able to try and limp that along oh, as sure. is. And Amazon's in the same situation. Um, it is a it is a mess. I mean, I just putting it quite blindly, it's it it's a mess. So let's let's really put the fear of Jeebus into everybody. Uh, Christmas is coming up. I know we're we're still what five months away, but Christmas yep. is coming. What are people yep. going to expect? Um, I would say, and I don't want to start a panic. No, everybody panic. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you, I will tell you now what I told, uh, Justin Robert Young on his politics, politics, politics call-in show back in June. Uh, if you haven't bought for Christmas yet by now, yeah. um, because it is only going to get tighter and tighter. Now we do see a little bit of relief coming, um, come October, we are going to see a little bit of relief because it's naturally when things start to fall off. Uh, but honestly, I don't know if it's going to be enough to take us to whatever passes for normal now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you are looking to buy something on Amazon for a Christmas gift, uh, don't wait for a sale because there's probably not going to be much of sales this year. That would be my guess. Uh, you'll probably get a little bit of things for Black Friday. Um, but I, I just don't see, I don't see the push, um, that, that we normally would see because there's just not enough, uh, supply to meet, to, to meet the demand. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Uh, Jim, let me ask you as we wrap up, uh, with the interview here, where can people find you online if they want to follow any of your musings or thoughts on what's currently going on? Well, the first place you can always find me at is the Major Spoilers Discord, which if you're not there, my God, get there. We're having a lot of fun over there, people. Um, I will be honest. I'm not in there as much as I probably should be. So if you have questions for me, just tag me. I'm Big Jim in there. Just tag me and I'll come in and and respond back. That's not a problem. Uh, You can also follow uh, any of our uh, trade musings at the Trade Nerd dot com um we don't have an updated article yet i'm working on it now uh actually i'm working on it later today uh to have an updated article and opinion piece on uh what is currently the state of the industry and what people should look towards um if you want to you know have a little bit of fun in your life and do something different or looking for that christmas gift uh for somebody who is in the logistics industry uh might i suggest uh to love me or not Global Logistics Haikus, Views from the Inside, available exclusively on Amazon and Amazon Direct Printing Publishing, which, by the way, these are published in South Carolina, so you know at least nice. you'll have them by November. So um, tell, us, tell us about this book, because this this sounds crazy. I mean, uh, first of all, logistics and shipping doesn't sound like it's, I mean, outside of the people who are into it, doesn't sound uh, super fascinating, but you found a way to make it fun by creating a bunch of haikus. I turned around, so I got, I I will tell you the story of this book in, very quickly. I got really frustrated one Friday, and <laughs> it was about 9 o'clock in the morning, and I read uh, Andrew uh, Heaton's book, um, Tales of Misery of Los Angeles, or I can't remember the exact name yeah. of the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a great poetry book. He wrote a book about poetry about how L.A. sucks. And uh, I read a couple of, of poems from it, and I said, I could do that. How many poems does it take to make a book? 48. Well, I can't write 48 poems in a day because that just seems like too much. But I can write 48 haikus in a day, and I'm really good at haikus. I really love doing haikus. Yeah. So I went from writing this book, editing it, uploading it to the Amazon Kindle publishing software, editing that, doing the book cover, 
uh, creating the book cover myself, everything else in about 20 hours. Nice. And uh, you want to share? You want to share one of your great haikus with us? I would love to. So um, let's go with. Um, let's see. Well, I'm trying to find one that everybody would appreciate. Okay. Um, everybody remembers the stories of the Ever Given. Uh, so this is my my haiku called Ever Given. <clears throat> Ship so very big, the wind blows, and the and pilot drifts. Europeans screwed. Um, nice. And then, uh, can't you get things done? This is my other one that I, I kind of like going to. Email discussion. You ask questions. I answer. Why have a meeting? <laughs> so. Um, That's great. It's That's not all directly about logistics, but a lot of it is uh, within yeah. the industry. And you can find this at logistics haiku, logistics plural, logisticshaiku.com. It'll take you right to the site. Uh, the print book is six dollars. Uh-huh. I am making literally a dollar on the print book, and the online book is ninety nine cents. And I make like I think twenty or thirty cents on the online book. I did not do this for money, people. I did it purely for the artistic expression and to get the frustration and the anger out of my body. There you go. When you're angry, create art. Jim, thank you so Absolutely. much for taking time with us today. I find this ever fascinating. I know some people maybe not. Uh, but I think it, in in light of when we look at just the comic book industry, there's a lot of stuff feeding into this. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to, to talk with us. Well, thank you, Stephen. And as always, I appreciate everything the Major Spoilers crew does for us uh, at, from podcasts and movies, reviews, and D&D. It has been a wonderful year uh, from creativity from your group, and I look forward to more. Uh, such a nice guy. Thanks again, uh, Jim, for joining us this week on the Major Spoilers podcast and sharing some very deep insight. I know that was a little bit of a longer interview than you guys were were expecting, but uh, I think that insight from somebody who's actually on the inside of the shipping industry is very, very important. Uh, Just to kind of give us a heads up for this is not just a comic industry thing. This is an entire world kind of thing. And if you have any thoughts on Jim's interview, uh, I know that we were talking about a lot of the international shipping. We are aware that DC does print in Missouri, but he was just giving a bigger scope for a lot of those other comic publishers. But if you have any comments about his interview or what's going on with Asmodee or Superman, the the gathering, then you can join these conversations and a whole lot more over in our discord server. You can join the major spoilers discord server for free. Or if you're a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers, you can link your Patreon account to the discord and get access to even more features at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Now that we're done with the news, let us jump into some reviews. Yes. Ashley, that Star Trek Lower Deck series has uh, everybody talking. What's going on oh with God. that series? I've talked about this a billion times this week, but it's so good. I have to talk about it again. Okay. And, uh, unfortunately, Steven enables me at every available opportunity. I, I try I'm to talk about it here. I try to. He is an enabler. Um. So of the new tracks, and I don't mean this is a dig at any of the other shows, but Lower Decks is like far and away my favorite. I love it so much. And it was the one I had the least expectations for. Uh, and then Steven in his uh, ongoing enabling said, you should watch Rick and Morty. And I said, no, Steven. And then I did. <laughs> and he was also right about that. <laughs> so just, that's just, if anyone's here. If anybody sees Ashley running, Decks. if anybody sees Ashley running into a McDonald's screaming for Szechuan sauce, you know who to blame. Oh my god. 
It's just cut to me eating crow. That's what it'll be. I need to I need to balance that gamey flavor with some sick Szechuan sauce from another universe. But uh, this week's episode of Lower Decks is like extra special because it's the 800th episode of Star Trek that ever aired, like ever, oh, ever, nice. ever. And it is such a good episode. Lower Decks lives in this place where because it is an animated show, a half hour and a comedy they can kind of get away with whatever they want, which I think led to its initial success. And I think that very smartly um, producers and executives have sort of kept their hands off it, maybe a little more than some of the other um, new Trek offerings. And it's also a show that likes to rapid fire references at you. This episode, Rapid Fire Deep Space Nine references at you, which goes right to my little heart. And I know we'll go to Matthew's heart too. Mm-hmm. But... It lives and dies on a Voyager joke because it's all about Tom Paris with Robert Duncan McNeil returning uh, to reprise his role, which is really nice. It's very funny. And he's doing a handshake tour of the galaxy, which is, you know, kind of what actors do after they do a huge genre thing. They just do a handshake tour of all of the conventions that we're very much advocating nobody goes to right now because of the Delta variant. (laughs) But there's no Delta variant in the Delta Quadrant. I'm sure they're doing fine. And in this episode, we get to see characters bonding who haven't bonded before. We get to see Tendi and Beckett Mariner, who doesn't know that Tendi's first name is Devana, having a girls' night. We get to see Boimler back on the Cerritos, where he belongs. We get to see, uh, spoiler alert, somebody come back to life and Rutherford have to deal with it. Everything that this episode does hits a classic Star Trek trope. And I don't know if they knew that this was going to be the 800th episode because production order versus release order is a thing. There's like a billion Star Trek shows coming out right now, but it really feels like uh, M. Willis, who wrote this episode, knew that this was going to be such an important anniversary and made a great list, not only of references, but of storytelling uh, tropes and expectations hit them all, but combined them in such a way that makes this feel fresh and new and interesting. Like it is the most derivative of the Trek shows we've maybe ever had. That's not like an actual fan film. And I say this as someone who made a Trek fan film, that's incredibly derivative, Um, but it still manages to feel fresh and fun and exciting. It takes the Bechdel test and it absolutely embraces it in this episode. It's, It's genuinely really good as a series about that, but it really shines in this episode. And then ultimately the joke is about how much cats like to sit in boxes. So for Mm -hmm. me, it just hits all of the Venn diagrams of like things that I like in life, things that I like in Trek. We got to see Jennifer, the Andorian again, who's my new crush this season on the show. I just can't, I can't recommend if you're sleeping on this series enough, please do yourself a favor they're 20 minutes long, 25 minutes long. Just speed through and catch all the way up to this episode. It's 13 episodes. Um, and if you watch them all in order, they're like one cool movie that just gets way better at the end. I, I can't nice. think of a better way to celebrate this anniversary and a better way to experience what modern Trek has to offer than uh, we'll always have Tom Paris. And also, as somebody who had a crush on Tom Paris and has picture in my locker in high school, I feel very vindicated <laughs> that he got a lot of love from Boimler and the Cerritos crew in this episode. So uh, the actor who plays Tom uh, Paris, uh, is this the first time that they've had someone from other Star Trek properties do their character in the show? Um, I'm trying to think. 
Maybe. But they do get referenced a lot. So yeah, really yeah. I didn't know if say. like I didn't know if like Patrick Stewart had done a bit or Janeway or somebody like that. Oh no, uh, Frakes. So uh, Riker has appeared in both seasons. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Um, um, so so Frakes came back. I guess J- would be the, he would be the first one. <laughs> Jason had to run in from the other room. Save Vandalay Industries. Yeah, really. Save Vandalay Industries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the little the little Riker like um done up in this style because. He's he's obviously they've aged in real time with the show. Uh, yeah. Looks now looks way more like Jason um, wow. than the way Jonathan because Jonathan Frakes you know, he's gray now. Yeah, yeah. He's a little older. And Riker's a little younger, and people age a little more slowly. All these characters can like you know live to be like one twenty, one twenty five, but yeah. really looks like Jason. It's it's kind of eerie. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. What's the uh, what's the meatloaf rating, Ashley? Oh, I mean, truly nothing less than a five out of five. It's my favorite lower decks up so far, and again, just so special and such a great. Such a great celebration. So nothing. It's perfect. Practically perfect in every way. I'll fight you. Come All find right. me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> At Ashley V. Robinson. Uh, Matthew, yeah, what do you right. got for us this week in the, in the forms of comic books? It's a comics book, y'all. All right. Okay. So are you familiar with the Infinity Stones? Uh, I think I've heard of them. Okay. Is that the special so, that you get at the Denny's? Yes. It's uh, the moons over my hammy infinity yeah, stones. They give you the infinity stones if you eat too many of them. Yeah, no, you're thinking of kidney stones. That's different. Oh, um, I also uh, had five of uh, them. Avengers Annual Number One does not come with pancakes or a side of toast. It does, however, come with a crossover to Infinite Destinies, which uh, my brain always sees as Infinite Density. Uh, but they have been tracking around the Marvel Universe, and Iron Man and Captain America and others have bumped into new wielders of the legendary Infinity Stones. So uh, Star, who's been running around in Captain Marvel, now has the reality gem. There's a character with the power gem whose name is literally Prince of Power, and Hercules is trying to sue him for gimmick infringement. There's a guy named Quantum who controls the space gem, and a kid named Overtime who controls the time gem. But the soul and mind gems, until this issue, have both been up in the air. Literally, they're in space. Um, this is an unusual Avengers issue, because it's not really an Avengers issue. Um, it features Captain America and Iron Man, but it focuses almost entirely on an AI, or as he likes to call it, synthetic being, um, who is trying to figure out the nature of a soul, and whether he has one. His name is Multitude. And uh, Multitude, of course, is trying to figure out a soul uh, Soul gem. Uh, so the soul gem pops up and in, inhabits him, whatever a gem does. And Captain America and Iron Man show up ready to just start face-punching. And he's like, no, you guys, this isn't a face-punch situation. And they're like, face-punch! And he's like, no, you you don't understand. I'm just on a journey of the soul. And finally, using his gem, he realizes the perfect way to take down Captain America and Iron Man is to make them face Captain America and Iron Man, which I think is both clever and a very you know meta statement about the last 20 years of Marvel <laughs> Comics. Uh, so they fight each other, except you know two of them aren't real. And at the end of the issue, the robot confuses them and, you know, kind of gets away. And 
I am bothered by two things in this issue. One, as I said, not really an Avengers story. And two, it just sort of ends in mid-sentence, and it literally says, not the end. What it does have is a backup story that is the final chapter of the ongoing Nick Fury storyline, where Fury has been trying to figure out what's going on with the Infinity Gems, chasing through the Marvel Universe to try and figure out where you know everything ends up. And that story also ends with a to-be-continued-in-another-comic-book. So while this is um, solicited and apparently written as the last part of this story, it's not. (laughs) And the backup story, which is supposed to be the last chapter of this thing, is not. Um, The art is pretty okay. I really enjoy the fact that the art on the lead story is good at focusing on, you know, quiet moments like sitting, you know, in a diner talking about the nature of time, space, and dimension. Uh, There's a long sequence with Captain America and Iron Man trying to kill time, where Captain America is just sitting there lifting weights and Iron Man is futzing around and tinkering with things. And then, of course, we see what Captain America has for breakfast, a full dozen eggs and a slab of bacon. You know, because he's a super soldier. You can't just... Like Gaston. Hello. (laughs) No one fights like Rogers. No one bites like (laughs) Rogers. No one, no one is you big and hairy like Steve like... Roger. Yeah. Ah, he's very good at expectorating. But um, <laughs> probably some other learned things that too. Word. <laughs> Me too. Which is weird because I was like 30. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, this is an okay comic book. Um, I am bothered by the fact that it's not what they told me it was going to be. And I feel like maybe I'm fighting a losing fight, especially when it comes to Marvel solicits. But, you know, this is a thing that's like part eight of eight, the final chapter, but it's not. And, you know, I should be used to that because of Friday the 13th, the final chapter not being the final chapter, but it bugs me. And it really does kind of lower my opinion of the issue. Still three slices of meatloaf for Avengers annual number one. Infinity Stone stuff is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it goes somewhere. Um, you know, I'd hate for it to be just another crossover thing that disappears. Uh, speaking of which, that new New Warriors book should be out in 2019. Three uh, slices of meatloaf. It's a comic. Read yeah. Um, here's the thing, and it's something that, especially with uh, Marvel's announcement today, we'll have a story up about it about uh, major spoilers tomorrow where they're announcing all their big tentpole things and their big event comics. I mean, we've got infinite densities here, right? And then Mm -hmm. we have um, the timeline, which is the new one with Kang the Conqueror. We have, I mean, there's still a House of X uh, stuff going on, uh, the Fall of X or whatever that they have going on. And, And so I think Marvel is just like, we don't care if any of these things connect with one another or not. I think Mm -hmm. they are, uh, officially taking an unofficial DC approach to we're going to tell a bunch of stories and we really don't care whether they're interconnected or not, or whether they're in any kind of continuity or not, because they're just all happening. It go and enjoy the ride. And if, and instead of following, like I only read Spider-Man titles. Now you're going to just read, you know, uh, the, 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 the X-Men event. Then you're going to read the infinite, uh, infinity stones event. Then you're going to read the, 
what's uh, going on with She-Hulk, uh, World War She-Hulk. The reckoning. You're, you're, oh, yeah, the reckoning. You're only going to read that event. And I think and, and that may mean you have to jump to a Doctor Strange or jump to a Spider-Man or jump to whatever it, uh, it may be. And I think that's maybe a little clear, too, in Dark Ages number one that's out this week from Marvel Comics, which I had a chance to to pick up. I'm going to I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of spoilers that I'm going to say about this this comic book because it does lead into the, the final reveal is really what this whole series is about. Spoilers? I know, right? <laughs> Some people get upset, including publishers. Um, but uh, it's Tom Taylor and Haban Coelho, I believe, are the, 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 the names. I think I got the Taylor name wrong, but who knows? Um, so yeah. Dark Age, Ages is a tale where Spider-Man is narrating what has happened. Suddenly some event occurred and it's got everybody in this. It's got Spider-Man. It's got Doctor Strange. It's got the Fantastic Four. It's got uh, uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's got who else is in here that's uh, a big name. I forget. Oh, it's got Apocalypse in here. I mean, it's it's just got all of these big names and there's some big earth shaking event. And so they all the smartest people in the world, of course, is your Spider-Man's and your Moon Girls and your Reed Richards and your Doctor Strange's and uh, I forget who else. Somebody else shows up and they all converge on Baxter building. Oh, and then the watcher shows up. The watcher is here saying the earth is in its final hours. The earth is going to die. And uh, we come to find out that way back in the long ago times, uh, a celestial was buried away inside the center of the earth uh, because he was bad uh, because he's an anti entropy person, meaning he, he just sucks the life out of everything. And so in order to save the planet, uh, you got Ben Grimm and Dr. Strange and gosh, who else goes in there? Uh, I know Sue Storm goes in there. Uh, the Wanda and the Vision go in the, in and they all go into the center of the earth to 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 dis- defeat this this giant uh, being to shut it down. And there's a lot of people that die and I maybe named five of them and there's a lot of people that die. So if you have a favorite, they may be dead. Um but it, what ends up happening is, as a last, last ditch effort, uh, Stephen Strange opens up a portal to another universe where it's nothing but EMP pulses, which shuts down the, the thing in the center of the Earth that's trying to destroy the Earth. Problem is, as I mentioned, a lot of people die, which means that hole can't be shut down. And so the entire Earth is just constantly by, bombarded by EMP pulses, which means all the electronics in the world... Anything that's technology based stops working and sends everyone back into the dark ages. Right. So that's this is not something that takes place. This is not a uh, 1602 storyline or anything like that. This is literally all technology on the planet has ceased to function because of this open portal to another dimension that no one can get to because it's in the center of the earth. Um, And uh, how is the world going to survive after that? And so that's what this series is going to tell. And when we look on the inside front pages or you look on the front cover, you see, well, how is Iron Man flying around? There's like some artist rendering of like a steampunk version of Iron Man. Um, You know, uh, Spider-Man's web shooters don't work. Uh, How does Spider-Man cope with that? Uh, So that's, I think, what we're going to see in future issues. Also, Apocalypse uh, has figured out maybe how this power works and he wants to use it for himself so we may see a bunch of mutants uh, coming in and doing some crazy things. I'm not a huge fan of event comics like this. Uh, I don't know if this is going to spill into, you know, Dark Ages Iron Man or Dark Ages Captain America. I mean, uh, it could and it might. But even if it doesn't and we get six to 12 issues of just this, it might be very interesting. What happens when 
uh, everything is set back to to non-technology times and how do heroes uh, do their thing. I think that could be an interesting look at uh, how society operates. So I'm kind of down for this. I suspect, though, that going forward, we're going to see a lot of other heroes die as well. But that just may be what we're what we're in for. I, I enjoyed this more than I should have. I'm giving this Dark Ages number one out this week from Marvel Comics four out of five slices of meatloaf. Uh, I Would found you it say it's, it's Marv ceased. I don't know what that means. Marv ceased. You remember deceased? Oh no, because, um, deceased, this is not Marvel zombies, right? This is, um, this is basically 1602, but you know, 2021, uh, where everybody doesn't have the, the main thing is just, there's no technology, uh, anything that can function, which is also kind of the weird thing because whatever universe that this one takes place in, probably not six one six since, uh, Peter and Mary Jane have a child in this. A young child. Um, since this is probably could not six two, it could be, but I, I know it's not six one six. EMP pulses should not affect unless I'm unless I'm forgetting how how EMP uh, like uh, diesel engines should still work. If I'm not mistaken, somebody science out there will correct me on this. So there should be some technology, uh, but maybe just not all the computer controlled uh, electromagnetic. Uh, technologies. I don't know. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see how this goes forward. So there you go. Um, and dear listeners, if you want more reviews, if you want to check in on more things that are going on at major spoilers, then uh, definitely head over to majorspoilers.com and check out a bunch of reviews that are coming out uh, this week. Also, uh, if you want to hear us talk about uh, the green Knight movie, if you want to hear us talk about uh, Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill, if you want to hear us talk about, uh, universal and what happens uh, when you don't have a streaming service, then make sure you check out the major spoilers pre-show. Those are all the things that we talked about and more. You can get that when you become a patron at the silver level or higher at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We had a whole thing that was planned and then uh, the rug got yanked out from underneath us at the last minute. So this week we are opening up the mailbag and uh, Nick asks, did you enjoy Loki? Are you planning on seeing Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings? Ashley, did you enjoy the Loki series? I watched two episodes of that. Oh, okay. Not really I am looking forward to Shang-Chi, though. Super excited to see sweet baby Ooh. Simu Liu. Everyone I know who braved seeing the in-person screening said it was awesome. Also, because this week's Geek History Lesson is on Shang-Chi, so it better be good and drive some traffic toward that episode. <laughs> I really enjoyed the Loki series. I thought it was right up uh, my alley of everything that I wanted uh, out of out of a TV series. I thought it was, um, honestly, I thought it was better than a WandaVision. I did not think it was, as, uh, I, I, it was certainly much, much better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, so, so far I would go Loki, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, what if? At this point, um, am I planning on seeing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yes. When it arrives on streaming. Now, I don't know if Marvel's going to pull. I mean, it's today, right? It's September 1st uh, is when this movie comes out. September 3rd, technically. I haven't seen Marvel or Disney say, yeah, we you can go get this on Disney Plus. So I'm probably going to have to wait until October 45 days in order to see this. Uh, I'm OK with that. Um, 
you know, it's too bad they don't have that same kind of deal that Universal has that if the movie doesn't make X amount of money on opening weekend, they can push it off to digital earlier. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I really want to see it, but I'm just not, I'm just so anti movie theater right now. Uh, just because <laughs> real funny, we'll get to Matthew in a moment, but Brian Brushwood uh, a few weeks ago was like, yeah, going to the movie theaters is great. I sure miss going to the movie theaters. Movie theaters are a great experience. Ah, this is what I've really missed because it gives me a chance to get away from my, my kids who want to talk during the entire movie and think they're real funny. And then the next, the week after that, he's like, man, the movie theater experience sure has turned into the movie theater experience with bad service and talky people and all that other stuff. So within a week, he's already cooled on the movie theater experience. And that's kind of where I am. Um, if they want to bring this into my home theater, I'm more than happy to pay $30 on the Disney Plus to watch the Shang-Chi. But right now, um, I'll have to just wait until October, which is a shame because uh, this is something that I really, really want to see. And I think my family wants to see it, too. Matthew, what about you? Did you enjoy the Lokis? I really enjoyed the Loki. Uh, you, pretty much you had me at Loki Gator, but... <laughs> I also feel like uh, it was a series that paid off for just a casual viewer, but it was a series that paid extra dividends to nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you were familiar with the stories that they're riffing on, those old Mark Gruenwald what-if stories going all the way back to a million years ago, then yeah, there were little extra bits everywhere. I really enjoyed Loki. Uh, I will be seeing the Ten Rings movie but I think I won't see it until I've finally broken the 40 year habit of pronouncing it Shang uh, because they don't want to be laughed at by the cool kids. <laughs> he didn't say Shang. That guy's old, you know, so I'm definitely going to see it. It'll, it'll be when it comes to streaming because I don't go to the movies. Yeah. Uh, J. Michael T says, how many of your predictions have and have not come true regarding topics generally discussed on the major spoilers, uh, comic book industry, the movie industry, gaming and others. This is a question for all participants. Um, all of my predictions are 100% correct. No. And, uh, in no way able to be questioned. Yeah. So I'm always right. I would, pro I would say, what do you guys think? I'm like 50, 50, I would say probably, or am I you're, higher than that? You're probably 60, 40. I would say you're a little above 50, 50 because you have that thing where you're just like, you know, based on X, Y, Z thing, Comics are going to have to, you know, stop with this nonsense. I would say you're often, you're right more often than not. Mm. Ashley, how right are you? Rarely. How right is Matthew? I'm a, I'm a woman on the internet. <laughs> internet, stop it. Um, how right, how, how often is Matthew uh, uh, correct? I mean, I don't track when any of our predictions come true oh. because I don't care. Like, it's just fun stuff to say. Yeah. Right. I have no idea. I mean, I, yeah. I have always said that, you know, when it comes to, I, I don't necessarily do a lot of predictions, but when I do predictions, they're usually wrong because they're based on what I think is cool. Mm. So, you know, the things that, that I think aren't necessarily the things I think that general audiences are interested in. I'm still absolutely shocked that we don't have a, a Howard the Duck movie. I mean, Howard the Duck played a big role in What If uh, last week, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, that was a good episode. I, I would, even though I hate the animation style of What If, I would sit through, yeah. I would sit through 60 minutes of Howard the Duck in that style. Howard the duck. Yeah. Uh, J. Michael T also says some are predicting that the Shang-Chi movie may be the first MCU flop. 
Disclaimer, I don't know because I haven't seen it, Wink. I uh, like to wait to actually experience a movie before I decide uh, what I think. Uh, where do you think the MCU goes if this is the case? Um, I'm not really seeing anything that says it's a flop. I think the only people that I know who are, are saying it's a flop are racist yeah, people that's, on the internet. Who I mean, have that is bad taste. Yeah, that is that is the that is the one thing that I like. I said, everyone well. I know who's seen it, every all the reviews I've seen of people who have actually seen it, not seen a trailer or a breakdown video on YouTube, are are like middling to positive. So, yeah, I don't people think people have be been opining that. You know, the next Marvel movie is going to be their first flop going probably all the way back to 2010. I mean, statistically, they, it's going to happen. I mean, there have been they're going to keep well, making more movies. Than, honestly, I mean, Ant-Man but, is technically the first flop because it's not profitable if you double the budget for advertising. But they keep making Ant-Man movies. So. And what about what about that second Thor movie? No. That one was a kind of a stinker. What about Black Widow? Oh, and I was gonna, that's what I was going to say is, near it, you know, like, what's the metric on that? You know, yeah. <laughs> If I was going to say that there is a MCU flop, there's already been at least three or four of them. And the most recent one was Black Widow. Um, I, I, I don't think I do, flop has any meaning, though. No, I don't. I think for Disney and MCU, it's just like keep turning that money machine. And even if we have one that loses some money, we still made a billion dollars off Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's going to fund, you know, six of these movies. And if two of those flop, big deal. Um, I think that's that's kind of the, that's kind of how I think you know, Disney the, looks at it. Yeah, the people who predicted that Black Panther would be a flop are the people oh, predicting yeah. that Shang-Chi will be a flop. Yeah. And those yeah. people were F-bomb wrong. Is the all ba- is the DC all-Batman approach to their books helping or hurting them? Well, first of all, it's not the all-Batman approach. They have uh, more, at least in this last month, they had more Batman books than, than anything else. But they still have quite a few Superman books and, and other stuff. So I would say it's like maybe 50-50 for the... And again, Batman family is different than... Batman books yeah, yeah. and DC is doing Batman family. So Batman family includes Nightwing, uh, Red Hood, Robin, Catwoman, the Poison Ivy and Harley series, Joker. All of those things are part of the Batman Teen Titans approach. Academy. Teen Titans Academy, I think is probably technically part of the Batman family. It depends on when you look at the solicitations, uh, they usually group, you know, the event stuff first, and then you get into the, um, Batman family, Superman family, and then Wonder Woman family. Um, and Wonder Woman's only got like two or three books under it, but I think, I think, um, oh no, I think they, uh, Superman and the justice league are grouped together. Um, so yeah. yeah, when you look at the all Batman approach, um, realize that maybe half of those in the Batman family are, don't feature Batman. Um, I think but I they feel like it's, it's valid to still call it an all Batman approach. Sure. 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 I just want to make, make it clear so that there aren't people yeah. out there going, DC's really putting out 40 Batman books a month. How do they do this? Well, they do it because people it's what keep people buying. Buy. Like yeah. you can, you can, you can complain exactly. about all you want and be as tired of it as, as you want to be. And, and a lot of us are, but like, if you've ever worked in a comic book store, anything with the Joker slapped on it sells, regardless of whether or not I think that's a character that we need to see go away for 50 years. Like, it's kind of like working. I think I think DC's concerted effort on their book market and all ages offerings mm-hmm. is working better in terms yeah, of overall yeah. profitability and brand awareness. But that's a different conversation. I, I wish DC would put more effort into making the younger set aware of their YA books and their and their all ages books because I think that they can make a ton more money that way. And I've been saying that for a couple of years with what IDW yeah. is doing and and Marvel is doing and DC is doing too because they've got some really good stuff. I think I think. 
there's nothing wrong with selling something that people want. I mean, how dare Pepsi sell 90% of its product <laughs> is this Pepsi that's been around forever when they've only got like 2% of their market is cherry Pepsi. How dare they? Um, so yeah, I think Ashley's right. It's, you know, so what, so what works, Matthew? It depends on what you mean by hurting too. I mean, I feel like the only place that it's really hurting them is in terms of word of mouth reputation with people who are already comic fans. I don't feel mm -hmm. like the general public is like, Oh my God, too much Batman because the general public doesn't know, you know, doesn't know Jack wagon about the Batman comic. Nobody outside of the 70 or 80,000 people who know about comics and, you know, probably even just the half of us that are extremely online are really worried about this because the general public is like, Oh yeah, they still make comic books. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, can I get one on my iPad? Yeah. Uh, so, I've got a question yeah, about mean, digital it's gonna, comics. It's going to hurt them in one, in, in one place, but I don't think it's going to hurt them in the actual world. Lagnus says, is digital comics a thing yet? I remember seeing numbers from Dark Horse some time ago that the digital sales compared to physical sales was a small Wii in the Olympic pool. Has that changed? Are there modern comics? Okay, so that's the first question. Um, are digital comics a thing yet? Um, they make up, what was the uh, numbers last year? In a billion-dollar industry, they make up something like $20 million. So they are still relatively small. But when you look at how digital comics has grown over the last 10 years, uh, I think the first year they were only at a million dollars, but now they're at $20 million. So it's growing. And I think while I like to buy my comics individually and hold on to them uh, in a digital format, there are a ton of people. So many more people that I know are into the unlimited series that DC Marvel. And I think dark horse also has an unlimited thing where you pay a monthly subscription and you read a curated collection of comics or titles that DC and Marvel has. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think that those are permanent collections. Like they'll add like with this month, we're adding 50 Legion of superheroes books. And then in six months, those books will go away. I think that's how the DC system works. And I think that's how Marvel works as well. But I know so many people who are reading comics six, eight, a year, year, uh, year ago and are just loving it because that's what they can read as part of this seven ninety nine or ten ninety nine or whatever it is that that service is per month. So while that the amount of comics that are being read is probably greater under that uh, subscription service, um, it doesn't help the bottom line. But I think more people are reading digital comics. So are digital mm -hmm. comics a thing? I would say yes. I would agree. I, I only read digital comics. So. Yeah. Same here. And that's that's the thing. I am an old school comic nerd and, you know, five or six years ago, I switched everything over digital and have not looked back. Mm -hmm. uh, are there modern comics in the style of Rip Kirby, Modesty Blaze and so on? I mean, I can still go out and buy a hundred page comic of those every month, but something that is in the genre, but new in that genre, but new did those die out and the only uh, superheroes remain. Um, hmm. no, but I think they're going to be harder to find. I would say that you want to look at publishers. You want to look at like maybe a little bit of dynamite at IDW, maybe uh, what is it? American mythology. You know, you want to get into the, the, not like the gold level people. Cause I feel like your big two comics are pretty much all. Yeah. I think if you're looking for the big, you know, hundred page stuff, I really think you probably ought to stick with, and I think Lagnus is in, uh, in Europe. Uh, I think you need yeah. to stick with the European comics uh, because those come out less frequently, but you're going to find more stuff like the James Bond stuff. Some of the stuff that Titan comics uh, puts out, they're based in, yes. in the UK. Um, but 
here in the United States, I don't think you're going to get a hundred page collection, you know, of something. I mean, you can get a trade paperback of stuff. And if you're looking for those yeah. kind of adventures, then Matthew's right. You definitely want to check out Dynamite. You definitely want to check out what Boom Studios yeah. is doing. You want to see. I mean, DC's especially if you're actually looking been for that doing detective genre. Yeah. DC's been doing a lot of their like 80 page anthologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that stuff like goes directly to Walmart and then comes to comic shops later. But those are anthologies. So yeah. It's yeah. not exactly the same thing that we're asking. About. Um, certainly, I th- I think Sean Phillips is aimed as much at uh, as the genre. Yeah. Right? So if you're looking at the, the yeah. so Titan Comics has their true crime or true case crime uh, imprint, which is all kind of uh, noir fiction, uh, pulp fiction type stuff. Then there is um, Phillips and uh, what's the writer's name on the tip of my Brew tongue? Uh, yeah, Brew Baker and Phillips. Everything they do with image comics these days is in that noir stuff. And the new series that they have going on right now, what is it called? Rick, uh, something, um, that is probably going to be right up your alley. And those are released as standalone graphic novels. And so I would definitely maybe check that stuff out on the United States stuff. There are only two volumes out now. The third one, I believe comes out in October. Um, the new series is called, dang it. I can't find it. Oh, right. Uh, right pulp in front of me. Two oh, electric boogaloo. Yeah, not, not pulp two, but it is, it is pretty close, uh, to that. Uh, but definitely, definitely worth checking out. Also his, um, criminal series, uh, would be something mm-hmm. to, to check out. Uh, anyone else have any other recommendations, Matthew? Ham. Okay. Um, Who yeah, would the Titan? Titan was a good call. Um, who does the hardcore, the hard case press? Is that Titan? That's also Titan. That's, that's the other, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, who of that's the, something you may want to look into if you're really into that modesty plays rip, uh-huh. rip Kirby, you know, especially like, angry, uh, bloody thing. they have a, the girl who kind of series. It's not, it's not like the, uh, the girl who with the dragon tattoo stuff, but it's like the girl who shocked Tesla, the, the girl who, uh, did something Houdini. There's those kind of stuff too that you might want to check out. The girl with colitis goes by. Yeah. Who of the hosts would win a That's comic themed poetry slam? Who of the hosts would win a comic themed poetry slam? That would be Rodrigo. Sorry, Ashley, no, you would I be my second, be. second. Oh, I was going to say Matthew because of the intros that he writes every week. Yeah, no, yeah. I would, I would definitely say Rodrigo. If you've ever seen him break it down and do some, some freestyle, I think he would be It'd all be over this. I, I, I'm He's good. Rodrigo. I'm better. It'd be me. I'm, I'm going to go with Rodrigo. Uh, Jimbo are, says, we are in a time you. of amazing comic book movies compared to the 80s and 90s. What comic book would you most love to see adapted to the screen that is not uh, done yet? This could be a movie, limited series, or ongoing. Again, I would go back to the Ed Brubaker stuff. A lot of the stuff that he's doing with Criminal or Pulp uh, was another one that he did, which I thought was really good. Uh, I think those would make fantastic um fantastic series or uh, movies pulp by a uh, movie by itself, but, um, criminal, uh, we've got, what's the one that we did the fade out, I think would be fantastic. Uh, just anything Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, uh, or the series that I'm thinking of is reckless. That's, that's the series. Um, uh, any of those series I think would be fantastic to, to see done. Ashley, what about you? Jupiter jet and I'll sell it to you for cheap. <laughs> Animated series or live action? Whatever you want to pay me for. Okay. Matthew? I think we should take this green night wave and do Camelot 3000. <laughs> that would be killer. I'd also love to see the Legion in live action, but, you know, 
Yeah, we kind of already got that in Supergirl, right? No. I think the interesting thing now is that a lot of people are like, well, I'm kind of feeling this superhero glut. I don't, I don't really want to go to all the comic Shut book up. movies. I don't want to go to the comic book <laughs> movies. Here's the thing. Back in the 80s and 90s, there were not comic book movies just falling out our butts every five seconds. Um, so if, if a Batman came out and it was, you know, even halfway decent, you kind of needed to go see it because you may not see anything like that again in a movie. Um, today we have so many comic book movies that you can pick and choose what you want to go to. And you may not be aware that some of the movies that you're watching are based on comics. Um, you know, and, and so you may be sitting there going, Oh, this is a really fantastic movie. Let me go do some research on it and find out, Oh, it's based on a comic book from such and such a creator. Um, so I think today it's totally okay to be picky about what movies you want to go to. And if you don't want to go see Shang-Chi, don't go see Shang-Chi. Uh, no one's going to, you know, hold it against you unless you're racist, then, you know, then we'll hold it against you. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to see every comic book movie right now. Uh, Texera says, I'm curious what you can imagine the future of comics industry holds. Will physically physical copies turn into a novelty with the industry favoring digital distribution more? Do you see any new heroes popping up or taking hold or are we kind of stuck with what we got? Matthew, you want to take I that think one? We're going to see, we're going to see a Deadpool situation as far as new characters go, because the companies are very leery of creating a bunch of new properties, but you'll occasionally have a Deadpool or a Harley Quinn or somebody who, you know, pops up. And of course, we're probably going to see a lot more of the, you know, the strip mining of a character like Star-Lord or uh, Rocket Raccoon and turning them into something which, let's be honest, bears little resemblance to what they used to be. And, you know, making them into a, a new-ish property. I think like the physical copies of comics, I don't think we're going to get to a point, unless the industry collapses, which could happen, I don't feel like the physical comic book is going to go away, but I think it may become a novelty thing. It may become one of those, you know, a record on the back of your cereal box kind of things where you get them, but you, you know, you get them in conjunction with a movie or you get them in conjunction with this cool action figure that you bought, or, you know, you get the, the hard copy of something that you bought digitally because you paid, you know, a buck extra to get the, the hard copy. But, I don't think they're ever going to completely go away, but I also feel like with, with just the improvements in digital, you know, digital distribution, for lack of a better word, I feel like there's going to come a time where, you know, DC is going to go, maybe this lost leader is no longer worth the the money. Well, putting physical paper comics. Yeah, they have the digital first. They're usually licensed works, but like, like uh, tie-ins and stuff like that, but they do have digital right. first series. Yeah. Like their Supergirl stuff has been digital first. The, the Harley Quinn book that I think we're reading this week, uh, is a, was a digital first and now it's being collected in, in a single issue. Um, um uh, injustice was that. Yeah. The injustice was, like, was that this one. Is yeah. Awesome. The other thing is I will be very interested and I know that, I know that the brick and mortars are probably going to have a fit. DC a year ago said, you know what? Um, Diamond isn't going to do it for us. They're going to shut down. We need to make sure that we have product to sell. We're going to switch distributors and we're going to go to Lunar and um, UCS or whoever that other distributor was. I think they're now only with Lunar Publishing. And so we've seen even Marvel say, hey, we're going to jump uh, Diamond as well. 
with this announcement that DC has made saying, hey, we've got a bunch of delays coming up in our print copies. It will not surprise me one bit that if in two or three weeks we see DC say, you know what? We're still going to release these comics on the day we said we were going to release them because a lot of the reason why DC had to make this announcement is because their Batman books are being delayed, especially the ones that are supposed to come out on Batman Day on September 18th. It will not surprise me one bit if within within the next month, if DC just says, you know what, all of our new releases, whether they're going to the comic books shop or not, are going to be made available digitally. And you can buy them digitally if you want to read the series now. If you want to wait a couple of months until we can get our supply chain moving back into the system where we can get these comics printed once the paper becomes available, I think DC is going to not hesitate one bit to just say, you want this on digital? Go for it. They've been doing these digital comics for digital firsts for years, and it has not affected uh, their overall sales. So that will not, that will not surprise me. That will not surprise me. Um, that is what is called a prediction. And so we'll see if that comes true. We'll, we'll see if this one turns out true and we'll tell the yeah. next person who asks us <laughs> how many of our predictions turn out to be Seven. true. <laughs> um, Ludwig von three, three, seven says as someone coming back to major spoilers <laughs> after a couple of years, uh, I'm glad to see all the changes and improvements. I would love to hear a quick breakdown of each podcast blog show from those who create it. Uh, what is the general premise of each show and or format? How long, have each been going on any changes planned for the future or other spinoffs, man, we talked a little bit about that in the major spoilers pre-show. So I would suggest you go check out the pre-show for a rundown of that. Cause I did run down all of the shows that we're currently doing. Matthew had asked a question about when do some of the shows release. And so I went into a breakdown of all of our shows. Um, I'd also love a quick segment on how this network came to be. I could hunt down the answer, but I'm much Rather hear you tell us more about yourselves and how you all came but I together. I couldn't be bothered to Google it. <laughs> I guess it's really, okay. I'm just asking for a new to this podcast. Let's catch you up on everything to make you feel part of it too. So Matthew and I went to college together. Okay, so I knew Matthew right. for a long time. Uh, when I started it was Major the Spoilers, summer of 1988. When I started Major Spoilers, um, <laughs> back in you know 15 years ago uh, in July, I said I would really like to find track Matthew down and see if, um, if he would be interested in contributing his comic knowledge to this site. Uh, and I think it was months before I tracked him down sometime in October. So then Matthew came aboard, uh, uh scroll Brian and I were friends, uh, from a long time ago, also in college. And we had always been, uh, kept in touch with one another. When I moved back to Kansas in 2001, um, uh, he and I started working on a live call-in show, a medical live call-in show, and he would bring in um, his coworker Rodrigo with him. And unfortunately they both had an executive producer who none of us liked or cared for. And we discovered that if we, we all had a love for talking about comic books. And um, so then um, we knew that if we were talking about comic books, when he was in the room, he would leave. And so then I was just like, Hey, how about we just record this? Because I'd been doing podcasts for years uh, with my friend, Charlie white. And uh, so that's how the major spoilers podcast got started. Uh, it was a couple of months later, Matthew joined as a full-time person. Uh, then as we were talking, um, let's see, as we were talking, Rodrigo started talking about role-playing games and my interest mm -hmm. in the fourth edition. And so that led to critical hit. And because Rodrigo was part of the uh, Cat G, the Campus Association of Tabletop Gamers, or the Collegiate Association of uh, Tabletop Gamers, 
he knew Brian and Rob from the university. And so they came in as part of critical hit. Um, uh, at around that same time, there was a guy named Jason Inman who was doing a bunch of videos on YouTube and kept reaching out to me and saying, Hey man, can you uh, please, uh, promote my stuff or post it on the site? And finally I was looking at his stuff. <laughs> he does not sound No, like he doesn't that. talk like that. Um, but I finally was looking at his stuff and I was like, Oh, this is really funny stuff, man. And it's like, Oh, would you like to contribute in some way, shape or form? And so then he started, I think if I'm not mistaken, Ashley, didn't he start doing the Jason Reed's series for major spoilers? Uh, for so, time? Uh, we were not, I didn't know Jason at that time, but yes, that was okay. when he was reviewing all of the comics yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah. And then at some point, uh, so let me just quickly look at all the, all the shows. Uh, at some point, just to bring Ashley into the major spoilers podcast, uh, at some point we spun off dueling review. We spun off uh, a conversation with Zach Wolf. Zach was part of the major spoilers podcast. And so we sp- yep. uh, started talking about uh, movies in our pre-show because Zach was just really n- not informed about movies. And so we did a whole series of uh, stuff uh, related to movies. Zach got married, had kids, too busy to hang out with cool people. Uh, so he's out doing his own thing right now. Um then uh, Matthew and I started doing dueling review where we could take a deep dive on a single mm-hmm. comic. Um, mm-hmm. Munchkin Land that, uh, written and then turned it into a yes, podcast. It did start as written on the site and then turned into podcast. Munchkin Land started out as us just playing the game Munchkin, uh, and now it evolved until we all got too busy. And now it is just a kind of an update on news with Dan Patrice, who does a fantastic job there. Um, then at some point, I don't know how Ashley started. Uh, being involved with uh, Jason's work, but I think she started appearing in some stuff. Yes, please share, a- Ashley. How did you and Jason get involved? Because then that led to me reaching out to Jason to talk about you. Uh, Jason uh, was making the videos for Major Spoilers, and uh, I wanted to hang out, and he would say, you can hang out, but I have to shoot these videos. <laughs> so then... I was in some of the videos oh, right. and then um, uh, an, a, a guy I used to date had a podcast and then um, I didn't want to listen to his podcast, which was the only podcast in the world I knew about. So I asked Jason to recommend me some podcasts and he recommended me major spoilers. And then you were hiring writers mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I have an English degree. And you were like, OK, uh, well, why don't you try writing a review and <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And then I never left. Well, uh, and it's funny too, because I, got uh, a lot of comics to read. I think I had seen you in some videos or something. And I was like, Jason, tell me about Ashley. And she seems kind of cool. And you think she would want to write for major spoilers. And he was like, yeah, I think she'd love it. And, uh, so then Ashley wrote for the site for a couple of years. And then I don't remember how I asked you to be part of the show, but um, well, we, then we started GHL and oh, you right. graciously let us put it in the feed. Right. And then I, I don't know, Zach left and you were like, all right, I need another young one. Like she's going to get knocked up anytime soon. Let's have her on the show. <laughs> I need a young one on this show. We need somebody to ground this with the rest of the world. So the, yes, yeah, so, so that's how Ashley got into the show. So yes, Ashley and Jason started geek history lesson, uh, which is not something that major spoilers produces. We don't do anything with geek history lesson. Um, but because we had so many shows, I had created a master feed that you can find, um, out there called the major spoilers podcast network master feed, something like that. 
um, that is just a called thanks Stephen and Matthew to be on it like every year. Yeah, and then it's just a big grouping of every show that we put out in one giant master feed. And I saw what uh, Jason and Ashley were doing. This was in their early days, and I said, "Hey, um, how about I also share the show in with our collection, and maybe that'll help you guys." Now today, I would be like begging Ashley and Jason, "Please, can you share our shows on your your massively fantastic, <laughs> fabtabulous uh, uh, show?" Um, but that's how the Major Spoilers uh, podcast network got formed. Also, Wayne Hall um, had started writing for Major Spoilers, doing reviews for Major Spoilers, and he had mentioned uh, along the way that he had done a pod- that he was doing a podcast. And uh, I started listening to it, and I was like, "Oh, he does some really good interviews. I really want an interview creator, interview centric show. I don't have time to do it. How about I ask Wayne to join the network?" And Wayne actually produces. Uh, Wayne's comics podcast for major spoilers. So it's kind of like a movie studio, me, the movie studio hiring a production company, Wayne to make his podcast. And then we are the distributors of that. So um, Wayne is, does actually get paid through major spoilers for his show. Geek history lesson does not. Um, so that's kind of a rundown of yeah, so all, we can say all the swears we want. Yes. So Ashley and Jason do say show. a lot of, a lot of swears, uh, Ashley, especially. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of the I would rundown. Be the one if I was allowed to. Yeah, that's kind of a rundown of all of our shows. At one point in the early days of the Major Spoilers podcast, uh, Matthew and I uh, were always talking about Legion of Superheroes, and I always kept saying, one of these days, I would like to do a show that is just a look at the Legion of Superheroes, and we review every single issue that they have. And we talked about it so much that a listener finally said, "Hey, put up or shut up. How much does it cost to do ten episodes?" And I gave him a number thinking that he wouldn't do. And he's like, yeah, here's, here's the money. Go and do it. And then he came back <laughs> after those 10 and he's like, do 10 more. And then I think he came back a third time and said, do 10 more. Yeah. And at that did. point, then we were starting to get some money through Patreon that we don't, I mean, we could certainly use another in an influx of money if somebody wants to uh, pay. But this uh, Legion clubhouse was the first podcast that was essentially client-based where someone came to us and said, Be- because they demanded it. Yeah. Because they demanded it. And they, you know, basically they were the producers of the show. They funded the the money uh, for that. That's how Legion Clubhouse came about. So you missed one. Uh, which one did I miss? Top five. Oh yeah. Top five. Also, most of these shows all spin out of the major spoilers podcast in some way, shape or form. We had done a number of top five uh, things on the major spoilers podcast, yeah. and it was popular enough because there was another show that just blew up. That was um, also a top five. I think they were top 10 or something but they just kind of collapsed in on themselves. And I was like, well, I'll just step in and fill that gap that they have left. And so we just moved all of our top five stuff over into, into that show. Yeah. So I think that kind of rolled out of the, uh, what, what we used to do the weekend episode. Yeah. And so did Zach on film and top five. Yeah. But that was all part of major spoilers podcast. Um, so major spoilers podcast spun out, um, Legion clubhouse, critical hit, Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. dueling review, like Matthew said, was a uh, website based first, um, uh, Legion clubhouse, uh, top five and Zach on film all spun out of the major spoilers yeah. podcast. And then, um, Maud spun out of the, yes, major then spoilers she went podcast. into the Jefferson's but good times, which then became good times. Maud. Yeah. Yeah. Good times spun out of Maud. The Jefferson spun out, um, uh, Archie bunkers checking place. in. Yeah. <laughs> Will you stop? That's not even right. You're making me want to correct no, you. No, Jefferson's came out of Archie Bunker. No, the Jefferson's, yes, came out of All in the Family. Yeah. But Archie Bunker's place was just a continuation of All yes, in the I Family. Know. Yeah. Um, it's a different show. 
So there you go. There is, I hope you're caught up on stuff. Um, yeah. Also CBS shows of the seventies. Yes. So Ludwig von three, three, seven. Uh, thank you for that question. And I think we're out of time actually. Um, oh, next week oh, on the major spoilers podcast, we once again, torture Ashley with her love of yeah. star Trek <laughs> because next week on the major spoilers podcast, it's star Trek versus transformers. <laughs> I will understand half of the references cut to Steve Rogers gif. I understood it. <laughs> the, it's actually uh, uh, star Trek, the animated series. So if anybody wants to know oh, why better. they want to look behind the curtain, uh, certainly we do our uh, VIP live chat every month where we sit down with our gold level members and higher, and we do a live stream just for them to tell them what's going on behind the scenes. And I've already talked before uh, on the VIP live stream about how we program in advance. Uh, and for the last couple of years, I've been programming, uh, groups of things like, uh, we're going to spend an entire year looking at Haro County, or we're going to look at the six gun, or we're going to look at this series and we're going to work our way through it. But because of Ashley's love of star Trek, I decided to pull a monkey's paw on her <laughs> and say, yes, we will review star Trek comics next year, but they're the crossover comics. We're not so, even doing the Starfleet Academy one. No, we're not doing that one. We've got uh, Star Trek Planet of the Apes, and well, there's one more, I think. Star Trek Transformers, and what is the other one? Maybe that's it. Oh, actually, maybe we're down to our final two. What a blessing! Mm. <laughs> I, or Here's is the sad, it? The sad fact about most Star Trek comics, they're bad. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, that's the monkey's paw. So, uh, Star Trek versus Transformers. Next week on the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for all of your questions. Don't forget, if you want to join in the VIP live chat, uh, the next one is coming up on Saturday, September 4th, 1 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can find a link over on the Patreon page at patreon.com slash spoilers. We certainly appreciate everyone who signs up uh, for that. So you can get in and be a part of that. Also, when you become a patron, we also do a bunch of stuff over on our Patreon uh, channel. So going back to shows that we produce... Um, we kind of have a spinoff of our critical hit mail bags called the GM Roundtable, and our next live GM Roundtable is Wednesday, September first at eight o'clock p.m. in the secret GM Roundtable Discord channel over on our major spoiler server. So if you are a GM and you want to become a better GM, then uh, come and listen to us uh, answer your questions about anything and everything. Uh, this month, it is side quests is what we're talking about. So you can find out more uh, over at patreon.com slash major spoiler. So uh, I'm going to kind of change up our clothes this week and just say thank you so much for being part of the major spoilers experience. And we will be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. Wow.
major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Bob Star Raven reads like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Major Spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.